0: I have my Bible on the wrong side of the pulpit here. Amen. All right, Ecclesiastes in chapter four this morning. We've already stood for the honor of the reading of the Word of God with Brother Andy singing this more our reading this morning, and uh, doing quite well. We won't do that again. You don't need to stand. And uh, but, I, uh, but Ecclesiastes chapter four. Looking in verses nine through twelve. The Bible tells us here, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat. How can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken." So I'm going to speak to you this morning on the topic of relationships. We're taking a one-week break on our Pure series. We'll pick back up next week and the week after uh, to conclude that series. But today, we want to talk about relationships, all right? Now, when I say relationships, guys, relationships can be quite peculiar. They can actually be precarious at times. And so many today believe the the basis or the fundamentals of a relationship have to differ between, say, a, a husband and a wife or Two friends, all right? And I realize the outcome and obviously the purpose uh, uh, for different types of relationships, they do greatly differ. I understand that. But but be it a husband or be it a wife or be it a friend, the fundamentals of a relationship are the same, okay? In other words, the nuts and bolts of a relationship are identical, whether it goes across the board of a a husband and wife, whether it goes a girlfriend, boyfriend, or whether it's two brothers and sisters in Christ or friends in general. So the nuts and bolts of a successful relationship lie within this fundamental process. And that phrase, nuts and bolts, if you will, it's, a, uh, it's the nuts and bolts of a subject is referring to the detailed practical aspects of that subject. And so today we're going to, we're going to cover, I say in detail, the practical as- aspects of a successful relationship. Beloved, un- keep in mind, relationships are the building blocks of our society. How well a community functions, is reveals how unified, how fortified, and even reveals the formula of that particular foundation of a relationship. When a society is built upon multiple agendas, when it's built upon false ideologies, when it's built upon uh, you know, the interposing of one's power upon its subjects, the result is a failed financial system, a decimated infrastructure. My soul, just look around. Look around in our society today, the results of, uh, of, of ignorance making rules without any basis of societal functionality we find, guys, when relationships break down, the community, the county, the country, the world breaks down as well. Proof is seen, it's seen every single day. The reality is this, of a society, a government, business, homes, and especially your personal relationships, listen carefully, if you make no changes, you get the same results, you keep putting the same people in the office, you're going to keep getting devastating results. That right there is common sense. You keep leaving the evolution and bolts in your life, you're going to have the breakdown of the home. You keep leaving those areas in need of tightening their relationship, it will eventually fall apart. There is no ifs, ands, and buts about that today. Why? Why, Why do you believe today that, that, we, that there's, some, there's, there's this particular failure or breakdown of relationships and what the solution is? It's because life is a moving entity. Life is always on the move. And therefore, the nuts and bolts of a relationship, it's required, there's required areas that we need to tighten up. We are required to fix them. Remember this, if you will, especially those who drive quite often. Patchwork will never be repair work. You can patch all of the potholes you want to, okay? It's never gonna be as good as fixing the entire road, as grinding that road down to a flat and zero grade level and rebuilding the foundation on a solid uh, a solid work and a solid material. It's never going to be as good. Personal relationships are the same. The reality from our text this morning, which is it's only a springboard text today, we're going to move into Romans 12 here in just a few minutes. The reality of this text is that two are better than one. When two are working together, they can assist one another. When one falls down, the other can pick them up. Marriage and friendships work in the very same manner. If you want to have a successful relationship, you're going to have to be willing to do your part for the pair. And as well as be willing to pick up your partner to help them, to help your mate, to lift up your spouse when the time is right and it is called for. Think about it like this. Our world today talks about, we man, if we just had an instruction manual. Now, I say this about instruction manuals. Instruction manuals are not what they used to be, all right? You know, you know people back in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, they used to get an instruction manual on how to work on their cars. It was about that thick. It was a book. I forgot the overall name of the company that always put them together. Who was it? Yes, yeah. And so they put them together, and they taught you how to change valves, how to swap out pistons, how to move, change bearings, and all of these different things. You don't have that today. As a matter of fact, the majority of instruction manuals today they just pictures, and that's all there is to it. If there are words involved, it's either in forty different languages, or it look it reads as if Google Translate put it together. It makes no sense whatsoever at all. And sometimes people say, "Man, I just I, I only." A lot of times, people have said this, and typically it's on the backside of a failed marriage or the backside of a hurtful situation within the relationship. They say, I only wish marriage had an instruction manual. I only wish that uh, when I got married, it came with an instruction manual. Or two friends have a, a, a bad breakup and they have a fall down, a breakdown in their, their relationship, and they say, man, I, I just wish friendship came with an instruction manual. Well, beloved, it does. They do come with an instruction manual. It's right here. (laughs) Guys, if you listen to me, if you think the Bible is only a tool for spiritual guidance from this life to the next, man, you're missing the boat. Matter of fact, you're not you're not even missing the boat. You're not even near the dock. You're not even close. You don't even have your ticket if you think the Bible is only a spiritual book from this life to the next. And it's no wonder that you struggle with the fundamentals of a relationship. It's no wonder that you struggle with the fundamentals of a friendship or business or home. You name it. This is a one-stop shop right here. It is the basis of which we establish our faith and our practice in life in general. So with everything said, guys, we're going to look today at what I've called the ABCs of a successful relationship. It's a practical look, a practical aspects from Bible teaching, how will improve your relationship, how to give you a successful relationship if you employ them. So no matter, no matter what you have in life, no matter what it is, if there are moving parts involved, and I've already said that life is a moving entity, it will require aftercare, hands down. You're not going to get into this life. Maintenance, you cannot get through this world today with relationships without maintenance, without servicing, without checkups, without MOTs, if you will, right? I mean, to think that you're going to meet a good friend or you're going to marry the right person and there'll be no maintenance whatsoever involved in the future, we'll soon find out failure is at the door. Relationships are no different than machines. They must have regular checkups. They must have personal evaluations. They must have inspections, which sometimes, if not often, reveal that things have been left alone. Left alone to do what? To loosen up, to come loose. Turning your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. And Romans chapter 12, I gave you a head start a moment ago. If you're not there, it is on the screen if you want to cheat a little bit, but I always prefer you to read in your Bible. Romans in chapter 12 and in verse 9, it's one of my favorite chapters of of all the Word of God, Romans in chapter 12, verse 9, uh, the Bible tells us here, it says, let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil, cleave unto that which is good. Now the word dissimulation comes from a Greek word which means hypocrisy. To be without dissimulation means to be unfeigned, undisguised, or it means to be sincere. Our love for one another and in your relationship should be pure. It should be honest. It should be sincere. It should be without hypocrisy. You know what the word hypocrisy means? Literally speaking, hypocrisy is defined as a play actor. All right? A play actor. Someone who plays a part. All right? Just like a, a thespian would. Somebody in the theater. Here's what happens. Over time, complacency enables these things to creep in. It enables enables things that are uh, are disguised, unsincere. It enables them to creep in, and the areas of our relationship in dire need of addressing, tightening up, if you will, uh, begin to fall short, which is going to bring us to the next part of the verse, which we're really going to focus on. The next word that we look at in this verse, in in, uh, Romans chapter 12 and verse 9, pertaining to the maintenance of a relationship, is the word cleave. It comes from a Greek word, kaleo, meaning to glue or to glue together, to cement, to fasten together. And this is where we get the idea of addressing addressing the loosened areas of our life. We need to fasten them together, to cement them, if you will, to tighten them up for security. So within the nuts and bolts of a relationship, things need to be tightened up. Think about this just right now, just in your marriage. What things, your responsibility, not your spouse's. Now guys, going go let me go ahead and say this here. I mean, I should have said this in the front end, but I'll I'll sneak it in right now. If you're going to sit in your pew today, and you're going to think about your friend and their loosened areas, or your spouse and their loosened areas, you have already you might as well close your book up and walk out the door, because you're not going to get any help today. All right, I know that sounds mean. I know that sounds, uh, uh, listen, that's not nice, because the word nice literally means ignorant but that is a kind thing I just said. You know why? Because it's honest. You need to have your own checkup today, your own evaluation, your own inspection of what is loosened up in your life concerning the relationship that needs to be tightened down, amen? That needs to be tightened up. I'll give you an example today. I used to, uh, when I used to stabilize, say, a, a cervical fracture, all right? and uh, Or a surgical procedure uh, known as a, open reduction, internal fixation of, say, a C1, C2 fracture, um, or a a procedure called a corpectomy. I used to work with a neurosurgeon when I was a resident who developed the corpectomy procedure, which is the removal of uh, vertebral bodies, one and two vertebral bodies, and then taking a cadaver fibula and hammering it in, wedging it in, causes a fusion in the cervical spine. It's, a de- it's not a debilitating procedure, but the disease or the injury that leads to it is debilitating. When we would do those things, when we would perform this surgery, I would use what's called a halo, all right? And it's, it is exactly what it sounds like. It's a carbon graphite ring uh, opened posteriorly with four titanium skull pins secured by carbon graphite poles attached to a vest, all right? Now, here's the deal. We would secure the procedure. We would secure the fracture. We would secure these things with this particular device. Now, here's the kicker. The same tool that's used to assemble the halo, all right, is the same tool that I would use with the insertion of the skull pins inside that patient's skull to secure the the halo to it, okay? Now, here's the deal. This is a uh, this is the actual one that I used for, for years. They were always sent off and calibrated. This one hasn't been calibrated since uh, uh, February 11th of 2012, okay? And uh, 2012 was my last full year in the practice. And I don't know why I brought this with me, because I'm not planning on doing any halos on the side here, unless you just want some fun, right? Uh, but, but I found this the other day when we were organizing our, uh, our storage area, and, and I said, you know what, this is going to be really good to use as an illustration. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make an open confession. If I could have got a hold of the halo, we'd be doing a full-on demonstration on Kelton today, all right? So, just not with the skull pens. We'd use the little, little tabbies. So, I used to insert four titanium skull pens, all right? Matter of fact, it's the latter third of the eyebrow, one inch above, right there. And why do you do that? To avoid any type of neurological uh, innervations all the way to the lateral third of the back, just above the ear right there. So one, two, three, and four, all right? We would do that, and I would secure that perfectly horizontal and uh, to, to the equivalency of nine inch pounds, which is 1.01 newton meters of torque, all right? And um, of course, the, per- the patient would be anesthetized. Now, if it was a, if it was a child... Um, if it was a child, then it, you know it's, it's one inch pound per age until they reach the age of five. From that point, it's six inch pounds until they get to an adolescent or teenage, uh, teenage numbers, and then, then it goes to nine inch pounds. Uh, geriatric patients with brittle bones would be six inch pounds. Why do we do that? So we don't crush your skull, okay? And here's the kicker. The same tool that I would use to put the skull pins into their skull. It's the same tool. I just take this little bit out, turn it over, and it's got a bigger Allen head on it, to secure the superstructure of the vest and the pylons at 20 inch pounds, all right? Now, here's the thing about it. Let me ask you this question. Go in, patients on on the OR table. I prep all my stuff. Surgeon does his job. I do my job. They're locked down. They're good. They're sent off to recovery. They wake up, they come to, they're sent to their room, be it ICU or a regular room, whatever it may be. I just high-five them, send them on their way, Are they all good. Now, 24 hours later, i got to come back through with this same tool. Now that they're awake and alert, not anesthetized, and guess what I get to do? Retighten those skull pins and that superstructure. Guys, I'm going to tell you something. It's very painful. Very painful. Imagine that feeling and that sound, click, reverberating inside your head and through your body. And now all that pressure is being pressed down onto the skull. Why do I do that? What's the purpose of me coming back through as a follow-up care? You've got to do this for 12 weeks, Brian. For 12 weeks, you'd follow up with them at least every other week, until 12-week period of time they should be healed, and we swap them out to a cervical collar and take the halo off. Why do we do this? Guys, you do this because every single, without fail, without fail there was at least one to one and a half turns on those skull pins. One and a, to one and a half turns on that superstructure. Why? Because over a 24-hour period of time, they have come loosened. They loosened up. The body has settled into the orthosis. The body has settled into the halo. Movement occurs. Now I want you to think about it for a second. What if someone with a type 2 hangman's fracture, which is the fracture of the adontoid process on C2, with a 40 millimeter pedicle screw all the way through that, that second vertebra to allow it to heal? What if they're left without any type of maintenance on that halo? What's going to happen? The result is movement's going to happen. Friction's going to occur. Friction causes heat. Shear is the movement of the lateral shifting of a material, and they're in relation with one another. So what happens? Well, I'll tell you what can happen. Paralysis or death can happen. Relationships are no different. If I was to leave that halo patient to themselves, Never follow up back with them. And they're dependent on that to to secure that injury and be healed. It's almost certain that infections are going to occur. The breakdown of the skull is going to occur. The pedicle screw is going to come loose. The fracture is going to come back. it's It's going to worsen. It's almost certain that it is. Relationships are no different, guys. If we're not focused on regular checkups, inspections, tightening up of what is loose in our lives... Friction causes heat and shear, which is defined as the strain produced by pressure in the structure of a substance when it is layers of lateral shifting. The result is paralysis or even death of the relationship. You must have maintenance. You must have aftercare in a relationship, friend. That halo is going to secure what was broken. It's going to secure what was injured. We need to tighten up what is loose, protect the work, guard the procedure, and allow it to grow. So that's the A of the ABCs. A successful relationship not only has aftercare, but a successful relationship sets boundaries. So we come back to Romans 12 again we go back to the first part where it says, let love be without dissimulation. And again, I repeat myself, to be without dissimulation is to be unfeigned, to be undisguised, to be sincere. In other words, guys, it is to be real, okay? When love is without dissimulation, boundaries are set in life, both inside and outside the relationship. In marriage, boundaries are set. The Lord Jesus Christ said, what therefore God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. That means either you or someone outside of the marriage. And just because it says man is, is not just just because the males. Let no mankind, let no one put asunder. If you're not having daily, if you're not having regular checkups, regular aftercare with your marriage, man or woman, husband or wife, if you're not dealing with those things and you're leaving things to go loose, you're not setting boundaries in your life. Now watch this example of a boundary here found in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Paul says, watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit ye like men, be strong. Let all things, let all your things be done with charity. I beseech you, brethren, you know the house of Stephanus, that it is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints, that you submit yourselves, that you submit yourselves unto such, and to everyone that helpeth us and laboreth. Now, to quit ye like men means to be brave. Doing all your things with charity. That word charity comes from agape. Agape is a sacrificial love. If I care about my spouse, if I care about my friend, if I am a true friend, I am going to do what is necessary. I'm going to do what needs to be done to help them in life. I'm going to do it to love them sacrificially. If I'm going to do it sacrificially... It's going to require me to set some boundaries. And I want to show you an example today, just a subconscious example, all right? Something that I want you to take on board. I'm I'm just going to walk around. I'm going to talk about relationships. I'm going to ask you how well things have done thus far and and what you're taking on board and how you're liking things. and, And maybe and truly, I don't know, I mean, you know, how is this message really benefiting you today? What is it doing for you right now? How is it helping you? I mean, what if I'm talking to you about relationships right now, okay? Am I showing you what is important? Am I telling you what is important? Am I telling you about the love that you should have for your spouse, the sacrifice that you should have for your friends, of that which you should do? Is that what I'm doing right now? What's important to me right now? It's what's in my hand. It's what I'm grasping on I sat here and I talked to you just like I normally would. And I looked down at this thing two and three times. I held it in my right hand, the hand of power. And I showed you subconsciously really and truly what I thought was important when I talked about a relationship. Now, if I was to come over here to Bailey. Come here, babe. I'm going to use you today. You can come on around here. This is my lovely daughter, and I'm going to hold her hand, the other hand. And I'm going to talk about relationships. I love my daughter. I love my daughter more than life itself. I love, I'm going to protect her. I'm going to talk to you about relationships today. I'm going to talk to you about loving someone sacrificially, having that charity, having that agape love. And I'm going to ask you, what is important right now in my life? Well, you know right now my daughter is important to me. You also know that I'm facing you and looking you square in the eye, that my relationship with you is important with me. You see, thank you, sweetheart, what ends up happening with us today in the world that we live in, guys, we don't live in the world that our parents lived in. We, we don't listen. If I'm, I mean, we don't live in the same world. I mean, what appears to be important at the present moment is important to those in our life, and it's what holds my, listen carefully, what holds my attention or what or who I am grasping. We live in a different world than our parents did. And the younger you are today, the more detrimental the situation can become. Most people today cannot even remember a time when they were disconnected from the entire world. Our increase of technology has become a tremendous tool, while it's also causing the greatest amount of damages. Studies have revealed that children who overuse technology may be more likely to experience issues, including low academic performance, lack of attention, low creativity, delays in language development, delays in social and emotional development, physically, physical inactivity and obesity, and poor sleep quality. We've turned phones and iPads into babysitters, haven't we? Concerning relationships, guys, multiple studies have revealed technology has been one of the top ten conflicts in marriage. The same report reveals out of 25% of couples or partners uh, who were distracted by their mobile phones, 10% of them were involved in an argument as the same result. Another study revealed that distraction, as 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 a destructive cause in relationships, Stated the use of smartphones is increasing and distracting most couples so much that they cannot even have time for one another. Communication is broken down in our society as a result of technology. It's reported that instead of talking face to face, when problems arise, many couples a day would just chat or text each other. Can I I tell you something? That's never going to work. I don't care if you think it does or not. It doesn't allow the full contact, the full connection, the full communication to resolve an issue or even create a bond. Effective communication, guys, is essential for the building and maintaining of a strong relationship. Technology can both facilitate and hinder this process. There's another detriment found in a publication in 2021. It was a survey by the Center for Generational Kinetics. It's found that 56% of users believe social media enabled the fear of missing out trend. 45% of young couples reported that they experienced the fear of missing out. Missing out of what? They don't even know. When asked that follow-up question, what what are you missing out on? They could not give an answer, but there's just a fear of missing out. People are are pressured today uh, to present an attractive image of themselves, uh, uh, lives on social media. It affects their self-esteem. It affects their relationships. They see all these people with 40,000 layers of filters on them, and they say, well, I'm not like that, so I'm not good enough. Technology can make it easier in the world. But technology also makes it easier to avoid vulnerability, the uncomfortable emotions as individuals hide behind screens, and they avoid face-to-face communication. Why, why do I bring this up? I mean, guys, I, you know, I am, I am as involved in technology as there can be. I'm not against technology. Because everyone that's listening to my voice this morning are susceptible to this happening within their relationship, whether it be a friend, a girlfriend, boyfriend, or spouse. If you've got a friend of yours and you guys are having a conversation and that friend is continually looking down at the phone, they don't care about the conversation. Or they don't care about you. And we've all been guilty. I get it. What you hold, guys, is important to you. Our actions speak long before and after our words. Boundaries must be set up. Guardrails on the mountain roads, they're not there to rob you of fun. They're not there to remove your liberty. Guys, that's just ignorance and immaturity speaking. They're there for your safety. They're there for your security. And the boundaries that you set up within your relationship is going to do the same. If you want your relationship to grow, you're going to have to set limitations in it. One of those limitations, because of the age that we live in today, is that phone right there. There has to be set times, set rules. I was speaking to a good friend of mine the other night. He um, was at the gym, actually. He said one of the rules that he and his wife set up, that if they have their plates in their hand, their dinner plates, both of their phones are in the kitchen. I thought, wow, that's good. I like that. Simple. So if we're sitting down to a meal, we're sitting in this other room, phones are in the kitchen. It, it doesn't matter if it's the phone, the telly, another person, other situations. You've got to set boundaries on the amount of time XYZ comes in between you and your relationship if you want it to be successful. Before technology, I'm almost finished this morning, so I remember a study in the 90s, and I believe it was a 10-year study of the 90s, of relationships, marriages in the 90s, that when you got about the end of the 90s, 98, 99, there was a... An excessive amount of divorce. Divorce, when it broke that 50% mark, there's an excessive amount of divorce amongst uh, people in their 40s and 45 age. Not 50s, but 40 to to 48, something along that line. And people, they, they really couldn't figure out why are people who've been married for 20, 25, even 30 years, all of a sudden... Getting divorced at 45, 47, 48, and, oh, it's a midlife crisis, it's this, Is that, but it was on both sides of the parties, both husband and wife. And so a study began to evaluate these people. It was a massive study for years on end that had divorced later on in life. And they asked them, how did you start out? How did the life start out with you? And even though the marriage and how it started out, all of those started out in different measures, they had all one thing in common. Their central goal, their central focus in life were their children. Now, we stop back and we go, well, what's wrong with that? I've said this from the pulpit many a times. I teach it in premarital counseling, and I teach it in marital counseling, and it's something that Denise and I have held to since the moment we got married on the 7th of November, 1998. She is my first ministry, and I am hers. Our children, listen carefully, are our first ministry, all right? My home comes before this church, all right? My family comes before any ministry on the face of this planet, because if I fail my family, I'll fail you. But if I fail my wife, I fail everyone. See, what had happened was their central focus in life were just their children. From sports to activities to school to everything that there was. And then once that empty nest happened, they had nothing in commonality. They had no common ground. They were sat there. You may not understand the you may not understand this, this example, but like Archie and Edith Bunker, both had their own chairs, doing their own thing, nothing in common. No relationship. If you're going to have a successful relationship, be it marriage or a friendship, you're going to have to set boundaries in what you do to hinder that relationship. Husbands, you are going to have to love your best friend, your wife. Wives, you're going to have to love your best friend, your husband, and they have to become your primary ministry. And then you together as a team, two are better than one we opened up with, can work on your children. But you can never forsake one another. Tighten up what's loose, people. So what's the answer to it all? Well, tighten up what's loose. Recognize the areas that that you've let go, that you've let loosen up. Again, friendships, sisters, brothers, aunts, uncles, cousins, whatever it may be, husbands and wives, acknowledge it, despite how painful it may be, and correct it. Thirdly, and lastly, the C of the ABCs is a successful relationship has a course, and that's a course of action. Back in Romans 12, the Bible says, Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love and honor preferring one another, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. So within the basic construct of a Christian relationship, we are to be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love preferring one another. Beloved, in marriage, men are told to love our wives. We are told to love our wives, Ephesians chapter 5. We are told to honor our wives, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. Wives are instructed to submit or to be in subjection to their husbands. Guys, and and I understand in the modern age we live in today, people want to remove or to change that. But guys, if it's in the Bible, it's the Bible, beloved, and I ain't changing it in neither of you. My opinion or your opinion is inconsequential. If it's the word of God, it's the word of God. But have you ever wondered why he didn't say, wives love your husbands? Have you ever wondered why God didn't command the wife to love the husband? He told the man to love his wife. That's a sacrificial love. You are to give yourself over to her, to sacrifice for her. The reason man is typically... Love is not the problem for women. Women's typical nature is to nurture, to care for. It is the sweet side of a lady that God has blessed mankind with to complete the marriage. A woman who doesn't know how to nurture is an anomaly. A woman who doesn't know how to love is, is, a, is a, an abnormality. You say, is it possible? Absolutely. You look in Drusilla. When her uh, fake husband, because she was married to another, when her fake husband was shaking in her his boots from the preaching of Paul, her cold heart didn't move. You look at Jezebel, wicked, vile woman, right? Athaliah, wicked and vile. Cold, hardened heart. Oh, but you look at Ruth. You look at Esther. You look at that Syro-Phoenician woman who didn't even care. She was called a dog. She says, yea, truth, Lord, but I get a meal out of those crumbs you drop, amen. Women are natural nurturers. They have a natural love. And each role serves in an equal capacity to complete the relationship, both in marriage and in friendship. And sometimes, sometimes one will be required to do more, just as we saw in the opening text, For if the one fall, the one lift up his fellow. They are by all means symbiotic. Our relationships are symbiotic one another and a relationship cannot survive without both roles, whether it is marriage or whether it is friendship. The breakdown of society is a result of the breakdown of the human relationship as defined by and according to the creator. So beloved, when we prefer one another, the relationship grows. When we love one another, it develops into a unity like none other. It works together. It functions at an optimal level. It is successful because all the moving parts, the nuts and bolts, are tightened to spec levels, thus enabling it to move freely, to move fully, and to move faithfully. That is the nuts and bolts guy. Of a successful relationship, the ABCs, if you will. Will you bow your heads this morning? Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for this wonderful time and opportunity to be here today. I pray that you take our message, Lord, write it upon the table of our hearts. I pray we we would soon we would be not soon forgetful hearers. Lord, I pray that no one is switched off this morning. Pray, dear God, that everyone that has listened to this message, be it online or be it live here this morning, Lord, I pray that in a mighty and wonderful way that you would take these words, sink it deep inside of our heart, and enable people to take the aftercare in their relationship, to perform the maintenance, the servicing, the MOT, to tighten up that which is loosened, so their relationship may be successful, that boundaries be set, limitations in their life, whether it be technology or whether it just be time in general. Father, I pray that you would help people make the corrections. And Lord, I pray there be a course of action in our life, that we would love one another, that we would prefer one another, that we would esteem others better than ourselves, ensuring, Lord, the optimal functionality of a relationship today. In Jesus' wonderful name, we ask these things. Amen. Amen. Well, I hope and pray that the preaching and teaching of the Word of God is a blessing to your heart this morning.